just a little bitty pissant country place Ain't nothing much to see No drinking allowed We get a nice quiet crowd Plain as it can be It's just a fiddly squatting old time country place Ain't nothing too high to Just lots of goodwill And maybe one small thrill But there's nothing dirty going on Nothing dirty going on One of my very dear friends, Hattie Valdez I might say that I met Hattie professionally. Me being a lawyer, I met her according to my profession, not hers. This will be a story of my experiences, and some, most of these are very personal, that I've had with Hattie, Bordness, Georgia, Valdez. I've known Hattie since, I guess, the others before I married in 1928 and 29. Was a whore, the most famous whore in Austin. And she is still living, and I know her well. I see her at least once a month, and I have all the respect in the world for her, and she has respect for me. And my experience with her has been non social. But I want to begin in the beginning as best I can and tell the things I know about her. The, uh, one of the first lawsuits I had, and it was before I married, in 1929, in November 1929, because uh, Hattie came into the office, and as I remember, she, uh, I forget her, her maiden name, but she came from up around Cedar Point, Texas, and we represented her brother and her family up there, and um, she was married to a fellow named Bordness, and uh, she wanted me to sue him for divorce. Uh, I think she wanted Pope to, and Pope gave it to me because it uh, is something easy, and I was just starting to practice law, and so I got the divorce action, and, and uh, she didn't have any way to pay me except she had some furniture that she bought from from Sears or or Ward, one of the two, and, and she was going to give me her equity in the furniture. It was a living room suit, a bedroom suit, and I didn't have any furniture, and uh, Ed May and I was going to get married in November of 29, and, and it was in probably the early part of that, that year, so. Uh, two or three months before that. And so I got the furniture and I uh, took it home, a bedroom suit. I took it upstairs. I, I remember in the northwest bedroom in our old home, two-story house on Live Oak, and that's where I was staying then. And old Tisha was uh, working for Mama then. She's still living at home there with us. And so uh, that night, it was, uh, must have been in the summertime because I thought the mosquitoes were real bad. And, uh, I pulled all night long with these mosquitoes, so I thought. Then I went on to the office the next morning. When I come home at noon, I noticed the mattress and the sheets and everything all of my bed, including the bed, was the furniture was out in the yard. An old tissue had been working it over with some kind of kerosene or something, and she said she'd come off up and looked at my bed that morning when she got there to make up it and make the sheet to make it up, and the sheets were had a, uh, blood on them. and said that was bed bugs that I'd been killing instead of mosquitoes that night. And I was terribly horrified because old Tisha knew what to wear. She'd probably been raised up with them down in Ledbetter when she was a little girl. And uh, so she, she cleaned my furniture up. And I don't think Elvin May knows to this day that our wedding furniture was come from that source. And if 
and how close we came to having a disaster if we'd, uh, and we got the bugs all cleaned up before the marriage. But anyway, uh, time went on, and uh, Hattie was divorced from Barney's, and then I don't remember her man, the Garza, and anything much about it, but I just hit the high places in her life with me. And uh, she's always been a, a very close friend of folks of mine. I've never been in her house uh, of ill fame, and I don't know the protest. And I know this, that if I had gone in there, had it had seen me, she would have given me a verbal spanking and sent me home. Now, that's uh, her relationship with me and how she thinks of me, and I'll get on to a point like that that happened between Joyce and me and Hattie at a later time. But later on, I, I had a... a uh, it's hard to begin and tell the different instances I've represented. But I remember on one occasion, Hattie was up at the office when I was on the 13th floor of the Capitol National Bank building, and she was uh, uh, with Sadie. Sadie Eccles was our secretary then, and they were outside laughing in the secretary's room, and, and uh, I didn't have anything to do, so I just thought I'd come out there and see what they're talking about. And so when I got out there, well, Sadie told me that Hattie wanted her to make a will, and that she knew enough about making a will to where she could make Hattie's will and save a little money instead of having me to make it. Then. So, but she said they'd run into some complications. Said that, that Hattie wanted to leave poker thousand dollars in her will, and that uh, Sadie told her that 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 would might embarrass folks to have if Sadie were to die for it. I mean, if uh, Hattie was to die, they'd read that and they'd leave it folks some money. It might they might people might read something into it that it didn't mean and. But if she wanted to give poker down, won't you just go on and give it to him then and forget about it? Well, we laughed about that, and so Polk's name was left out of the way on. Then she said uh, Patty was very much disturbed about the fact that she had a, a business uh, going on that was making her around $40,000 a year. She didn't think it ought to die just because she died, and she wanted to leave it to somebody. And she discussed the question, said she'd, she'd leave it to the Baptist Foundation, anybody, but she just didn't think it would be right to die and just let this thing go to waste. Well, that was a, uh, uh, Sadie tried to explain to her that there was no property right in a whorehouse, which there, there is not. And so we talked her out of that, but what was the upshot of, uh, of her will? I don't know, because Sadie drew it, and I didn't get to look at it. Then there was another occasion when um, Hattie had, uh, the district attorney, old Tom Blackwell was district attorney then, and he had gotten an injunction against uh, Hattie from running this house out on the, uh, uh, it was the old San Antonio Highway, out just uh, south of, Onion, of, of uh, Williamson Creek. And um, so uh, they had a, had an injunction. I mean, had, had the injunction was granted, and Judge Gordon had granted it. And they filed on Hattie for violating the injunction. Said that, uh, that uh, some man had gone out there stool pigeon and had been propositioned by one of the girls in Hattie's house, and so they filed on Hattie and for contempt of court. They couldn't catch her for anything else, and so Hattie come to see me. And she told me that the man was lying, that they just wasn't, she hadn't violated the law, she just hadn't violated that injunction. And so I remember we were going to have the hearing on a Friday, a Friday afternoon, I believe, it was Friday morning. It was a Friday morning, and it's the, the day before they are going to have the Texas Rice football game in Houston. And I was supposed to go down to Houston and go to the Rice football game with some of our friends, G. Mitchell Dean in Houston, and I had to leave Friday afternoon to get out and have to be ready. So anyway, we had the hearing, and... Tom Blackwell was the prosecutor, and Judge, Black, uh, Judge uh, Gardner was on the bench. And we got into the courtroom, and old Hattie was there sitting back of me, and she just warned the damn to me that, that uh, this man's going to lie. And I said, don't nobody done it. She didn't know who the, who the witness was. And so uh, we sat down and pled not guilty, and old Tom Blackwell looked back in the back, and 
he got some old boy to stand up and and, uh, and said it was a man that was working for the highway department over in Tyler and he'd slept over here and gone out to Hattie's and Hattie didn't know him and she let him in there and one or two of the girls proposition and probably had a date with him. But anyway, when he started coming by the, get to get up to the witness stand to testify, Hattie leaned over to me and she said, he's a lying son of a bitch. Said he told me he wasn't a stool pigeon. I said, Hattie, you are lying something too because you told me that nobody, that you hadn't violated this injunction. I said, you might as well get your butt ready to go to that jail because you're going to be put in jail for three days. So anyway, the old boy got up and he testified. And old Tom had a lot of fun out there. He knew he had him. So it wasn't anything we could do, but just uh, I wasn't going to let Hattie get on the witness stand and, and commit perjury. So the old boy testified. And Judge Gordon said he'd have to find her, uh, have to give her three days in jail. So uh, he did. He gave her three days in jail. Well, it so happened that old uh, T.O. Lang was sheriff at that time. And, T.O. was obligated to Hattie, as most uh, uh, sheriffs would be, in a, to a woman in her position, because he'd been letting her operate, and had done some, some uh, gratuities advanced one way or the other, I'm sure, I, I know for sure, really. And so Hattie uh, said, she's uh, she just going to go up and start a son of that night. I said, now, let me tell you what you can do, Hattie. The judge had already gone, and Tom come by and kind of patted her on the back and said, Hattie, I'm sorry, but we had to do it. Now, she didn't hold it against Tom at all. He'd done his duty, and so... Uh, I, I explained to her in the courtroom, I said, now, I've got to go to Houston, and uh, I won't be back till, till Monday. But I said, now, let me tell you how, let's do old Judge Gordon. Now, he's gone, and he's given you three days in jail. Now, you can serve that three days, but you go up, uh, and you get in, in jail tonight about five minutes before 12. That'll be on Friday night, and you'll get credit for Friday, by being in there five minutes on Friday. Then you serve all day Saturday. And then five minutes after 12 on Saturday night, that'll be Sunday morning, and you, you will have served Sunday by serving five minutes. And then we'll get old T.O. to let you out of jail, and you've had your three days put in, and then you go on and find out what church Judge Gordon is going to be in Sunday morning, and you get yourself right down in the front row of his church and let him see you there in his church on Sunday morning when you ought to be in jail according to his estimate. Well, I don't know whether that happened or not, but that's where we had it figured out. One of the last cases I had for Hattie was, uh, she was a, just a sucker for anything to come along. But she had been trying to buy a piece of ground out on uh, uh, the, the uh, Bluff Springs Road uh, before you got to Slaughter Creek. There's an old boy that used to live at Griffin Springs and had a place there, and she'd been digging with him to, to uh, buy that. And in the meantime, Evelyn had gotten a, a house out in that direction, and they were all moving, the girls were moving out in that direction. So. Uh, the old boy that had that just said he wasn't going to sell to Hattie. And so there was a crooked real estate man here in town uh, that heard about it. And I think that uh, Hattie was offering to pay at that time around oh, fifteen or $20,000 for the piece of property. And this old boy heard about it, so he forged a contract and signed this old boy's name to it, letting Hattie have this for about three or $4,000 less than what she'd been offering to pay for it before. Well, it looked so good to her, she couldn't just stand that at all. She just simply, she gave this old boy, I think, three, around two or three thousand dollars as earnest money to, to uh, apply on the contract. And then it went along for about a, a month, and, and uh, the old boy, uh, Hattie, got to crowd him about closing out this deal. And um, he said, well, he had to get an abstract of him and take another thousand dollars, and this old boy was not going to put up the thousand dollars for the abstract. Maybe Hattie better let him have it, so she'd go and get the abstract going. Well, Hattie let him have another thousand. But he chiseled away out of there for about, oh, four or five months, and, 
and Lundquist closed the deal out. He got to her for about eight thousand dollars of this uh, total purchase price. In fact, all the money that she's going to get out of it, he'd come give her one excuse or another and take a little more money off of it. Well, finally she began to smell that she might have been taken. So um, she come see me about it. And so I immediately went out to see the old boy, and he said he didn't know anything about the contract. He said that he hadn't signed any such contract as that. Tom Oliver and Tom Marcus represented him, and Tom said, well, no, he wouldn't sell under any circumstances. So I called this real estate man. Really, I filed a suit against him. He didn't have the money. He spent the money as fast as he sold it. Moe had him. And not only had he got done that, but he was on a committee for some little old church out on, on South Lamar Street, and, and he'd gotten enough money to buy a wooden building for the church to start in the business with, and he'd taken that money off. So he was in a bad way uh, all the way around. So I did know he had a bond, two or $3,000 bond up on his real estate uh, license, and so we sued the bonding company, and we wound up by getting the bonding money, and I don't know what else I got for Hattie, but uh, it, was a, it was quite a case. I remember she come into the office, and that was the time before they had personalized checks. And so I told her she'd have to put up $25, $30 on uh, court costs when I filed a suit. And I said, which bank you want on? And I had all these different uh, blank checks there on my vest, you know, so my clients could sign in and it happened to be handy. And Patty said, it doesn't make a difference. Just give me any of them. I, I've got money in all the banks. And she did have money in all the banks. But I got Hattie three or four thousand dollars of that money back. And that's the last case I remember, legal case, having for her. However, there was one time when Hattie uh, fell in love with some old boy. It was in the electronics business of some kind. Had a little old shop down on South on South Lamar between, or it wasn't South Lamar either, just about First Street and, and uh, between Fifth and Sixth Street on on Lamar. And uh, she came to me one one uh, Friday, and she wanted to join us. So boy, he borrowed to, uh, some money to put into his business, and she let him have it. Of course, she's in love with him, and she let him have the money about oh, t- uh, two or three thousand dollars to buy equipment with. And then she found out he's traveling on it somewhere else, so she wanted me to file suit and, and, uh, and put his business in receivership. And so I got uh, busy, or it took, a, took an hour or two or three, I'd draw the papers up, and then I had to go up and get the court to, to set it down for hearing on Monday morning, and I set it for Friday, and, and uh, we enjoyed him running off with anything, and I really sold the book at him. And, and uh, so uh, he got served Friday evening with this injunction that he couldn't spend any money and he couldn't do anything, and we had him tied in a knot. And so, uh, the first thing I met was Monday morning. Old Hattie was a tall, was waiting for me, and she wanted to dismiss it. The old boy had come back, and he confessed his love for her on Sunday, and she had forgiven him. And so I lost my lawsuit there, and I don't know whether I even got anything more than the court costs out of it, but Hattie would have given me whatever I'd asked her for. There was a, another time that Hattie went to jail for, I guess, uh, 10, 15 days. Anyway, she was up there long enough to write a diary. And uh, I didn't represent her in the case. She had a number of lawyers. She, old Flanagan represented her sometimes, but I don't know who else. She, she kept us all in good humor. So Hattie got out of jail, and she come down to our office for something. And, and uh, Sadie Eccles was our secretary at that time. And Hattie had kept this diary that she had. It was five or six or seven pages of handwritten material, and, and each day she'd say what happened. And so Sadie had read it, and she was laughing out there, and I come out, out of my office, and they told me what they're doing. Uh, Sadie was reading this diary that Hattie kept. And so uh, Hattie let us have it, and Sadie made several copies of it, and I've got one here somewhere. But she was describing this uh, uh, experience she'd had in the jail up there. And uh, one of the things that I remember without reading the diary, the, uh, uh, Joyce got hit around here somewhere, but she made this remark that they brought an old girl who's an alcoholic up there, and she was just awful. And 
Had he just made this philosophical remark after it, during that day uh, on a diary, he said, well, thank God I don't have that to live with. And uh, that's really something coming from Hattie that alcoholism is worse than what she was living. And she mentioned, I remember one time she, in the diary, she mentioned I'm bringing her, her breakfast up. And she said, uh, in foul terms, she said, I could have pissed a better breakfast than that. And I don't know where that diary is, but it is a work of art. And I hope I find it some of these days before long. Then, after Joyce and I got married, and uh, Hattie kept up with us, uh, with me and Pope very well, because we were her lawyers and we were her friends, and she knew that I had gotten a divorce and that I had married Joyce, and, and so uh, she and a little girl that used to be manicurist down at the Bristol Hotel were up in the Iron Gate Cafe one night, and uh, Thelma and Joyce and I were going over there to supper, and uh, we came in, and, and Hattie was at a table just inside the door, and with this other little girl, and, and uh, Thelma and Joyce came by in front of me and went on in the next room to sit down at the table, and, and uh, I come in after him. And Hattie didn't see Joyce and Thelma go by. And when I came in there, well, Hattie jumped up and she said, Emmy, he said, what are you doing over here without Joyce? And I mean, she was getting ready to give me a scold and thinking I was out without my wife. Now, that's the, the type of woman she was. And I'll tell you now, on account of her, I respect her with all my with all the respect I've got. She, she was what she was. But she was honest, and she didn't make any bones about what she was. And you knew where to put your finger on it. And frankly, if she, if she were to die and they asked me to be a pallbearer, I'd, I'd be one and be proud to do it. Now, there was one other instance just recently when old Flanagan, John Flanagan, had uh, fleeced her out of, uh, he sold her a lot of land from a, a, a flat he had on, that was out here on, around the Bunnett Road. They put the road in over these lots, but Hattie liked John. John had come out and, and make, uh, borrow money from her and, and, and make time of the day with her, and so uh, she bought this lot from old John. And then she found out that it had already been condemned and he didn't have a title to it. Well, she didn't do anything about it. I don't think she sued him. Anyway, John finally got caught up with his ill done and went to Leavenworth Penitentiary. Well, he corresponded with Hattie all the time, and I guess about two years ago, uh, Hattie was up to see Dr. Williams, her dentist, who was uh, off right next to us on the ninth floor of the Captain National Bank building. And uh, the dentist was busy, so she came in to visit with Joyce and I. We were in the office, and she told us about this letter she'd heard from John. He was, he told her that he was now checking the folks in and out of the penitentiary pay. He'd gotten to be a trustee. And she met him more said, they sure better watch old John, and he could check himself out of that penitentiary. And she laughed about it. The uh, last time I saw John, well, he was with her, had a big growth of whiskers. He'd gotten out of the penitentiary and he'd brought Hattie up to the dentist's office. And, and Hattie was, a, she, she, she loaned him money, I'm sure, and, and the taking care of old John. And uh, that's the type of an individual she was. Then she was a big friend of old dude Stelfox. And uh, dude took the cancer about three years ago. And so uh, Dr. Whitaker, who cured my brother Pope from what, the ailment he had, was was had his physician and he was a cancer specialist out there with Darnell and so uh, he wasn't going to take dude's business but Hattie and prevailed upon uh, Dr. Whitaker to, to try to save her, her, her friend dude's Delfox and so she told me that Whitaker told her said now Hattie I'm, I'm going to take dude's case and I'll tell you what now he's not going to die of the cancer now he might die of cobalt treatments but he's not going to die of the cancer well, uh, dude died about six months ago from one or the other. I don't know which. But Dr. Whitaker is a real fine friend of ours. He's Joyce's doctor, too. And, and uh, I go to Darnell all the time. And 
So uh, he was out at the nightclub oh, four or five years ago, and Hattie was there. They had the picture taken together. And he's just as proud of that picture as Hattie was. And Hattie carried around in her purse all the time. And she called him Dr. Schittaker. That's her doctor. But Hattie is some character. I might be able to say some more things about Hattie if I think of him a little later on, but I'm going to slow down right now. Since this tape was made, Hattie has died. And uh, I might say this in retrospect, that if I had been requested to be a pallbearer at Hattie's funeral, I would have been honored to accept that position. It's just a fiddly squatting old time country place. Ain't nothing too high tone. Just lots of goodwill and maybe one small thrill. But there's nothing dirty going on. Nothing dirty going on. 